we're so glad to have you here at Gateway Church. We were reflecting on our, in our Wednesday night class of how blessed we are to have a church like Gateway Church, full of people that love each other, that care about each other, and that love God. And, I, and I'm, me and my wife are so glad to be a part of this church and to be able to raise our kids in a church that is truly mature in our approach to God and to each other. And we're so blessed that uh, J.W. and Christy let us be a part of their team. We're going to continue on with our series this morning, Mind Games. And our pastor has already talked the first week about renewing your mind. And our second week about having a fit mind. And we've been using the text out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this morning, I want to talk to you about having a mature mind. Processing your emotions in a healthy way. Because our emotions can tell a lot about who we are. How many cries during uh, a tearjerker movie? How many, pe how many people knows people that laugh about everything? And sometimes their, their laugh is funnier than the joke. Uh, a friend of mine, I was talking to him last week, and he, had, he said, I met a woman. She teaches Sunday school. She, uh, she works with the, the underprivileged kids at school. She's a great person. I said, well, do you think she's a keeper? Do you think she's the one? And he said, well, the only problem is she laughs at everything. <laughs> and that's just the way we are sometimes. It's just part of our personality. But our emotions can also tell a lot about our experiences. People that never cry or never show emotions sometimes have been conditioned to be that way because they've been brought up that crying or showing emotion is a sign of weakness but we know that not never showing emotion is not always healthy and we know that some emotions are because of our chemical um, I remember when my wife after we had our second child she went through a bout of postpartum depression where it's hard to control your emotions because of the hormonal and chemical imbalance. And sometimes you need to get help for that, and that's okay. Because just as you would treat any other organ of your body that's hurting, it's okay to get help for that. And that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm going to talk about your emotions and how they're an indicator of our maturity. 
The Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. The right setting should produce the right emotion. So if somebody else is getting blessed, you should be happy for them. If somebody else is getting blessed and that makes you angry or that makes you jealous or upset, then there's a problem with your maturity. With that someone else at work gets that big promotion or the big raise, you should be happy for them. If someone you know, gets a new car, a brand new Cadillac. You shouldn't grumble and complain that you don't have one. You should be happy for them. If they're able to buy a new home, you should be happy for them. If the church down the road is growing by leaps and bounds and God is blessing them, we should be happy for them and rejoice with them. If someone on the praise team can sing a lot better than you can, you know what? Be happy for them. And if someone is hurting and going through a difficult time, if that makes you happy, there's a problem with your maturity. Even if there's somebody that you just cannot stand. If you're driving down the road and you see your boss and run into a telephone pole and you laugh, there's a problem with your maturity. If that one worker that, or that one coworker that always gives you a problem at work, is constantly bothering you, and they get fired, and you have cake in the office, there's a problem with your maturity. If that car that cuts you off in traffic and sped by you at 100 miles an hour, and you drive by and see them pulled over by a cop, and you laugh, there's a problem with your maturity. So, our emotions tell a lot about our maturity, okay? And we need to guard our mind and guard our emotions and use self-control. The Bible says to be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil, It's okay to have emotions, but it's not okay to let them get out of control, to let them take over you. So Jesus was angry when he went to the temple and he saw that the, his father's house was supposed to be a house of prayer, was being used as a giant flea market. He was angry, and he ran them all out. But he didn't sin, and he didn't allow his anger to get to the point where he did something that he would regret. When, when I see on the news that so, that's someone that's helpless, like a, a child or an elderly person, has been exploited or harmed or crime has been done against them, something inside me, anger rises up inside me, an indignation, and that's okay. It's okay to have emotions. But it's not okay to let them get out of control to the point where you do something that you'll regret or that you should not do. Our emotions can show us where we're weak 
and where we lack in self-control. This is a very important point. Our, emotion, our emotions, emotions should be indicators, not dictators. Emotions can tell us what is going on inside of us. But we can't allow our emotions to take us over, especially the unhealthy ones like anger, jealousy, fear. We can't allow our emotions to make us become violent or, ho- or hurtful to others or to ourselves. And we can't allow them to dictate our actions. We often think, well, what? when we see something on the news, what would cause somebody to do that? A lot of times, crimes are committed in the heat of emotion. When someone's become so overcome with anger, whether it's road rage, and, and normally they wouldn't do something like that, and they'll get out and, and harm the other person. What would cause someone to do that? It's when they allow their emotions to control them instead of controlling their emotions. They should be indicators and not dictators. A lot of times, we make emotional decisions. We'll get really mad at work that day. Something went wrong and we'll just quit our job. And then later that evening, we're like, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. Now what am I going to do? You know, 50% of all purchases are done by emotion or emotion, emotional purchases. And a lot of the ads that you'll see on TV or they're pointed towards your emotions, to evoke emotions within you, to get you to buy or to give or to, to do whatever they're promoting. Proverbs 19 and verse 2 says, He who hurries with his feet, acting impulsively, sins. The Bible talks about controlling your emotions and not making impulsive decisions. Flying by the seat of your pants. Making decisions based on however you're feeling at the moment. No, you need to think them through. You need to weigh your decisions against God's word and pray that God direct you. And make decisions soberly and not impulsively. Some of us are emotional eaters. You know the old cliche where you're eating triple chocolate ice cream in your bathroom because you had a bad day. Or you eat a whole bag of potato chips because you're just anxious and it makes your endorphins go up. Maybe you're a nail biter or a leg shaker where you think your car's missing, but no, it's just so-and-so in the back is anxious today. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 and verse 19, by your patience, possess your souls, he says. Jesus was talking about the end of times in this passage of Scripture. He said, don't be deceived, don't be afraid. There'll be commotions and wars in the last days. Nations will rise against nations. There'll be famine and pestilence and earthquakes and fearful things and signs in the heavens. 
There'll be people that persecute you and families will betray each other. But we need to guard our mind and be self-controlled and in our patience possess our souls. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what trouble we're facing, we need to learn to have self-control and in our patience possess our souls and keep our mind and our emotions under the direction of the Holy Spirit, regardless what we are facing. Because we are susceptible Man, I can't talk this morning. Susceptible to make irrational decisions in unhealthy ways in emotional moments instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. We're reading in Numbers in our Wednesday night class, and I want to read a verse of Scripture out of Numbers chapter 20, verse 11. Moses, and as we're reading through the Old Testament, we're learning about Just how difficult Moses had it trying to lead these Israelites to the promised land, out of Egypt and into the promised land. It was like traveling with three million ungrateful teenagers. That no matter what you did for them, it was never enough. They were always grumbling and complaining. And here they were, they needed water, and they were grumbling and complaining, and Moses got so mad. He was told by God to speak to the rock, and water would flow from it. But he got so mad that he took his staff, and he struck it twice. It says, then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. That one decision made in an emotional time cost Moses his entrance into the promised land. One poor decision that we make in the midst of our emotion can change the course of our life forever. And not only that, But it cost him his witness with the people. That fit of unhealthy emotion. I remember one time I was at work. I'm, I'm normally a pretty even keel guy, but that day was really bad. And I was really mad. And I remember picking something up and throwing it. And one old woman came up to me later. She said, Aaron, I've never saw you act that way before. In the midst of that moment, in that emotion, I acted out. And it hurt my witness. We need to learn to control our emotions. And I want to talk about real quickly four things that we need to watch when it comes to our emotions. Number one is hurts. Most wounding happens in safe places. Places that we thought were safe, like home or church or school or amongst our friends or by people that we thought we were safe around, people we let our guard down around. Some of you were hurt by your parents, some by siblings, by pastors, by church members, 
by spouses, by people that you thought were your friends. And David in Samuel chapter 16 and verse 11, when Samuel had come to anoint a new king, Jesse had brought out all his sons but left David out in the field. So then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he was overlooked by his father. Some of you have been hurt by your parents. Some of your parents, believe it or not, there's some parents out there that tell their kids they won't amount to anything. Maybe that they had a favorite sibling and they neglected you. Or your parents were not there for you when you needed them the most. Or maybe it was our siblings like David experienced in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 28. It says, And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. David had come to bring food to his brothers who were at war with the Philistines. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. He was belittled by his brothers, looked down upon and dismissed by them. When people don't value us, it's easy to allow our hurt and our emotions to cause us to shut down. And then David was also hurt by his spiritual leader, King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 11 and 12, if you know the story, you know that Saul had failed and the Spirit of God had left Saul. And Samuel had anointed David to be king. And David would work for Saul. And it says, And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Maybe you had a leader or a mentor that you looked up to that didn't see you the way that God seed you or saw you as a threat and attacked you rather than celebrated you. A similar situation for Joseph. He was clearly his father's favorite son. And in and, and Genesis chapter 37 and verse 4, it says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. And could not speak kindly towards him. When we are hurt, it's easy to project that pain on other people. Hurt people hurt people. Amen? Most people lash out from their hurt and not from their hearts. When you have a bad day at work and you come home, and everything went wrong that day, and you're stressed out, and you're aggravated, who's the first person you take it out on? The dog. No. Uh, normally, you know, your wife and your kids can be the brunt of your bad day. You're projecting your pain, you're projecting your frustration and your emotions on other people. Those people that are mad at the world, you know them, that they're just mad all the time. 
They're always using foul language. They're always irritated at someone or something. A lot of times they've had an experience in their life or multiple experiences of hurt and rejection that have caused them to shut down and lash out at everyone around them because hurt people hurt people. And that's why we must guard our hearts and our minds from the hurts and the wounds because we are all called to be ministers of healing and reconciliation. Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. We've got to guard our hearts from the hurts and allow our church and our homes to be a safe place for others to be. I want to make a very important point. We need to stop sabotaging our future with our past. Amen? God wants to renew your life. The enemy wants to replay the pain. He wants you to constantly be dwelling on and replaying those hurtful situations in your life that have caused you such pain. Maybe you got bullied in school, and now when someone makes fun of you, you immediately lash out at them because you're projecting the pain from the past. You're not in school anymore. You're not in that relationship anymore. You're not at that church anymore. Stop allowing your past hurts to sabotage your future. Here at Gateway, we pride ourselves in being a haven for those who have been hurt by church in the past. A safe place where you can come and be loved and heal and grow. I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not at that church anymore. We're here to love you. We care about you. Give us a chance to show you what the body of Christ is really supposed to be. Amen. Many people struggle in their current relationships because of hurt in their past relationships. When are you going to stop punishing your spouse? For a bad relationship you had in your past. Why would you sabotage the relationship you have now with someone who loves you because of someone in your past who hurt you? We need to let it go and allow God to heal us and we need to forgive. Luke 23 and verse 34 Jesus was hanging on the cross, being crucified. If anyone had any reason to be angry, any reason to be hurt, any reason to have resentment or to retaliate, it was Christ. His family thought he was crazy. His hometown rejected him. He did nothing but good the entire time he was on this earth, but he was only attacked and spoken evil of. He was lied on, he was betrayed, eventually he was beaten. Mocked, stabbed, he was nailed to a tree. 
And as he hung there, Luke 23 and verse 34, these were his words. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. As he hung on the tree, instead of becoming bitter or retaliating, he forgave them and he took their sins upon himself. This morning, the Holy Spirit wants to cue you of any pain or past hurts or scars that you have in your life. Isaiah chapter 53, speaking of Jesus, said, beginning in verse 5, or verse 3, sorry. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. When Jesus atoned for us, he not only paid for your sins, but he paid for your healing he paid for your peace. He paid for your joy. Those were all covered in the atonement. And this morning, no matter what your pain is, no matter what your hurt is, no matter what your anxiety is, the Holy Spirit wants to heal you by the same blood, by the same stripes that saved you. Amen. Next, offenses. Offenses is when your own inner moral code becomes violated. Offenses are from a violation of our own personal moral code. When we perceive something is right and that is wronged. When you feel it's not fair to you or you claim you become, you've been done wrong, you are offended and you get mad. And oftentimes people shut down or retaliate. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus told the parable of the man who went out and hired people to work in his vineyard. And he offered them a denarius. They agreed upon it, if you'd work for me. So he went out in the morning and hired them, and they agreed, and they began to work. He went out at noon and hired them. They agreed, and they came and worked three, and then later in the evening. And when it came time to pay them, the people that came later in the evening, they got paid a denarius. And it went on until the people that were there first thing in the morning, and they said, hey, wait a minute. We've been working longer. We should get paid more. I'm going to call my union steward. I'm going to call the labor board. And the master said, no, you agreed to this. You agreed to work for one denarius. And they were offended, even though they had not been done wrong. They perceived an offense. And so many times we perceive offenses because, well, he didn't shake my hand today. She didn't acknowledge me. She just walked right by me. 
Or that Facebook post was about me, I just know it. And we become offended. Because we perceive it. Now granted, some offenses are legitimate. But offenses can cause you to shut down. And when you shut down, nothing life-giving can come out of you. And nothing life-giving can come into you. Bitterness can begin to grow and, and poison your heart and your relationships. Offense often happens when our expectations aren't met, whether they're communicated or uncommunicated. Like in our marriage or in the workplace or we don't feel like we're getting enough recognition when things don't happen how we pictured that they should happen or how we wanted them to happen or when we wanted them to happen. It's important that we communicate our expectations. I remember one time I was, I was complaining about someone that worked for me that wasn't doing what I wanted them to do and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, well, you never told them what you wanted them to do. You never told them what your expectations were. How could I be angry? How could I be frustrated with them if I never communicated what my expectations were? And it's important that we don't set unrealistic expectations for those around us. Violations lead to retaliation. Don't violate the boundaries of love because you feel you've been treated unfairly. Like withholding work or effort on the job because you're mad, because you feel like you've been done wrong. Withholding love or affection in your marriage because you feel like you've been done wrong. They didn't answer your text within 30 minutes. Withholding kindness and generosity to others because somebody hurts your feelings. That is not a sign of maturity. That's a sign of immaturity. And we need to get over that. And, and stop rehearsing your offenses because it only makes it worse. It only inflates it. The more you dwell on it, the madder you will get. Ephesians 4 says, With humility and patience, bear with one another in love. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Matthew 18 said, If someone offends you, you're to go to them and settle it. And not keep that offense in your heart. Amen. If I offend you, come to me and tell me. So we can get it. Whether I meant to or not. We'll get it settled. That's a sign of maturity. And it's imperative. In our relationship with each other. And then insecurity. Insecurity is when your security is threatened, when there's a change in your circumstances and our mind perceives it as a threat. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 22, we talked about Saul and David a little before. It says, then Saul sent word to Jesse, David's father, asking, please let David remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. He's a blessing. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubled Saul, David would play his harp, then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. 
But see, what happened was, as I'd mentioned before, the Spirit of God had left Saul and had, had come upon David. And the women, they danced and sang, Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And Saul began to be jealous and to feel threatened by David. And it grew into an obsession where it consumed him. When God sends people into our church and into our lives, they may be better at things than us. We don't need to look at it as a threat, but as a blessing. Amen? Don't allow something that God has sent you as a blessing to become a threat to you. We need to understand our seasons and take new seasons into perspective. We need to know that maybe it's time for you to be a mentor. Maybe it's time for you to step aside and allow someone else to move into their season. Maybe you need, you need to find and rejoice with those in their success and not feel threatened and don't become like Saul. Embrace the new season because God is not through with you. I promise you, he's got something in store for you. In 2 Samuel verse 21, 15 through 7, the Philistines were at war with Israel, and when David and his men were in the thick of the battle, David became weak and exhausted. A descendant of the giants cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, the son of Zuriah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. And David's men declared, you're not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? They said, David, it's, it's, it's a new season for you. You're not going to go out to battle anymore. You're going to let us go out and fight for you, and you're going to hold down the fort at home. It's hard to accept sometimes but how many know that sometimes there's a new season for you? And we need to not see it as a threat, but as an opportunity. Amen? Very lastly and quickly, correction. Correction is where your actions are questioned. How do you take correction is a very key indicator of your maturity. Proverbs 9 and verse 8 says, Do not reprove a scoffer or he'll hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he'll love you. If you, when you. When someone corrects you, you become angry and defensive and offended. That's a sign of immaturity. When someone corrects you when you're doing something wrong, and you say, you're right, I need to make a change. Thank you for telling me that. Thank you for rebuking me in the spirit. That's a sign of true maturity. Amen. Correction is sharpening you, sharpening you, not wounding you. Sometimes it hurts, but it's not a wound to hurt you. It's to strengthen you and help you grow. Hebrews 12 and verse 16 says, Him, him whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Why does he do that? To make us better. Because he loves us. 
In 2 Samuel, the ark of God, which was symbolic of his presence, had been taken by the Philistines during the reign of Saul. And David was determined to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. So he put the ark on a cart being pulled by oxen. And as he was bringing it back to Jerusalem, it hit a, hit a stone or hit a hole. And, a, and, and the ark had shifted and a, one of his men wretched to stabilize it. And he was struck dead. And David was mad at God, the Bible says. 2 Samuel 6, beginning with verse 8, said, David was angry because the Lord broke out against Uzzah. So David said, how will the ark come to me? He became angry and frustrated and confused and said, fine, I just won't bring the ark back to Jerusalem. And he let it go to Obadiah's house and stay there. Sometimes when we are corrected, we become offended and we shut down and we quit trying. The ark was a symbol of God's presence. And David shut the presence of God out of his life because of correction he didn't understand and he was angry with God. I thought I was doing your work. I thought I was being faithful to you. How could you let this happen to me? We can shut down and become bitter. Some of us have allowed past hurts to cause us to shut down. Some of us have allowed the loss of a loved one and misunderstanding that to cause us to shut down. Some of us have seen our dreams frustrated and we shut down. But when you do that, You're shutting out the presence of God from your life. Obadiah, when the presence of God was at his house, was being blessed abundantly. So much so to the point that David heard of it. How many knows when God's presence is in your life, there's blessings? David heard of it. And he wanted those blessings He wanted God's presence. And he began to look at where he went wrong. God said in the law that the ark was to be carried by priests, not on a cart, pulled by oxen. So this time, David brought the ark up the right way, carried by priests. They stopped and sacrificed and worshiped God. As they came, and they brought the presence and the ark of God back into Jerusalem. I went through a time in my life where I became angry about something and bitter, and I shut myself up because I felt like it wasn't fair what I was going through. And one day the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you've got to either change or I'm out of here. You either got to let it go and allow me to heal you 
or I'm not sticking around. I'm going to tell you what, I can't live without his presence. I can't breathe without his presence. I don't ever want to get up out of bed in the morning without knowing that the Holy Spirit is with me and inside of me. When David sinned with Bathsheba, one of his cries out to God was, God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I don't want anything in my life to keep God's presence from me and from my life. So I'm going to ask God, where did I go wrong? How can I get back to the closeness and to our first love? How can I bring back the ark and your presence into my life? And I'm getting ready to close here. As the musicians would come to the instruments. We cannot allow ourselves to put up walls and shut, up, shut out God and those around us who love us. We can't hold on to past hurts and allow our past to sabotage our future. We need to let go of the pain and the hurt and we need to forgive Stop letting those experiences and those hurts from the past have power over you because you'll never live in victory as long as you do. Don't allow offense to make you bitter and keep you bound. Go to your brother and sister and say, hey, I feel like you offended me, but I want to make it right between us. That's maturity. That's true maturity. Don't feel threatened by others' blessing, but embrace the new seasons that God has before you. Understand that correction is not wounding, but it's sharpening you to make you better and to make you stronger. A mature mind is governed by the Holy Spirit and not led by emotions. Self-control in Galatians is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And we cannot control our emotions without the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. Allow the Holy Spirit to heal your hurt this morning. To deliver you from your past. To mold you and mature you. And to help you to control your emotions. It says, the Bible says, be led by the Spirit. So that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. With every eye closed and every head bowed this morning. If you're here this morning and you have hurt in your life unresolved and you need the Holy Spirit to heal you this morning, I want you to lift up your hand with no one looking around.
God sees and God knows. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never experienced the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the atonement of Christ, would you lift up your hand and say, pray for me. Amen. God sees. Let's all stand up all over the house. And I want you to join me in prayer. Because I don't know about you, but I know me. I need more of the Holy Spirit to help me control my emotions, to help me be more mature, and to complete the healing He has begun in my life. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we worship you and we praise you this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that by the stripes laid upon Christ's back, that you will heal us fully and completely of each pain, of each scar. That you, Holy Spirit, will bring completeness and fullness to the atonement in our lives. Replace the pain with joy that Christ paid for. Replace the sorrow with gladness that Christ paid for. Replace the anxiety with peace that Christ paid for. Heal us, sweet Holy Spirit, this morning, mind, body, and soul completely. Help us, Holy Spirit, to become more mature. Help us to use self-control and control our emotions through your power and not allow our emotions to control us. Lord, we know that the battle begins in the mind. And that's where the battlefield is laid out. And we want to preemptively go into that battle under your direction and in accordance with your word. We worship you and we praise you this morning and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing in our lives. And we receive it and accept it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Isn't God good?